KPBS On Demand is supported by UC San Diego Art Power is presenting Indian fusion band Red Bharat, mixing Indian bhangra rhythms, hip-hop, and funk music, March 23rd at the Epstein Family Amphitheater. Tickets and information about upcoming concerts and events at artpower.ucsd.edu. Good morning, I'm Debbie Cruz. It's Wednesday, May 17th. Local advocates file a federal complaint alleging hundreds of migrants were treated inhumanely. More on that next, but first, let's do the headlines. Hepatitis A cases in San Diego County are on the rise. The county is continuing efforts to provide vaccinations to at-risk populations, especially people experiencing homelessness. Nearly 30 cases have been recorded in the county so far this year. According to health officials, no single outbreak location has been identified. Hepatitis A is usually transmitted by touching objects or eating food that someone with the virus has touched. The disease doesn't always cause symptoms but can cause fever, fatigue, nausea, loss of appetite, stomach pain, vomiting, and more. The San Diego City Council has authorized a lawsuit against SeaWorld, saying the amusement park is refusing to pay its bills. City Attorney Mara Elliott says the park still owes back rent from the pandemic, totaling about $12 million. She says the city has given the Florida-based theme park plenty of opportunities to pay their 2020 rent, and the corporation is still refusing to settle its debt. Elliott says the level of disrespect SeaWorld is showing for a 60-year partnership is disturbing. It's a slap in the face to those of us who live here. How dare they treat their partner like this? So we're going to take it very seriously, and we're going to file our lawsuit as quickly as we can. SeaWorld declined an interview but sent a statement that reads in part, we have enjoyed a long relationship with the city and remain hopeful that we can resolve this matter. A North County brewery is one of three local beer breweries to bring home the gold at the World Beer Cup in Tennessee last week. Battle Mage Brewing Company won for its Amber Ale, Summon Efrit. Now with a world-class award-winning beer on its hands, the brewery is looking to expand to a second location and, of course, enter more beer competitions. From KPBS, you're listening to San Diego News Now. Stay with me for more of the local news you need. KPBS On Demand is supported by UC San Diego Osher Lifelong Learning Institute, hosting an open house to learn about the upcoming classes and seminars, member benefits, and meet the volunteer leadership team. Saturday, March 30th. Registration at extendedstudies.ucsd.edu O-L-L-I. Local advocates have filed a federal complaint alleging hundreds of migrants were kept under inhumane conditions after Border Patrol kept them in a makeshift open-air migrant camp in San Isidro with virtually no food or shelter for weeks. Border reporter Gustavo Solis spoke with one of the advocates. We want to get answers. What was the the logic behind uh, allowing those things to happen? Who gave the orders of allowing them to form? Uh, But also, what are we going to do to make sure that it stops and it doesn't happen again? Lillian Serrano is the director of the Southern Borders Community Coalition. She and other volunteers documented the migrant camp's substandard conditions. She says medical neglect was a big issue. Part of her job was to identify migrants who needed medical attention and tell local border patrol agents about it. Day in and out, all day, letting authorities know of the different medical emergencies. I saw everything you can imagine. Serrano says border patrol agents normally wouldn't give medical aid. 
so volunteers had to call 911 and get ambulances to take migrants to the hospital. Customs and Border Protection cleared the camp Monday morning. Serrano says it's still important to file the complaint to make sure the camp remains empty. And what we are afraid of is that if we don't address that, it will continue to happen and it will continue to spread all along the southern border. Customs and Border Protection did not respond to a request for comment. Gustavo Solis, KPBS News. The declared state of emergency with the COVID-19 pandemic may be over, but the virus isn't totally gone. Health reporter Matt Hoffman says a program to track COVID and other viruses in our wastewater is continuing. Testing for COVID at home is easy and efficient. However, those results are not tracked countywide, and that's where sewage comes in. Although not everyone takes a test these days or reports their test, everyone poops. Rob Knight pioneered wastewater testing for COVID at UC San Diego. He runs the Center for Microbiome Innovation, which started tracking the virus via sewage during the first year of the pandemic. It's proven to be an early indicator of viral spread, with detection up to two weeks before normal testing. That's because infections first develop in someone's gut. The sewage testing is continuing on for at least five more years. Although there's a general feeling that COVID's over, uh, it could be like the flu where there's new variants that arise that are much worse than the variants that we have currently. And if you have to set up the program again from scratch, train all the staff and so on, it's very difficult to do that. So as an insurance policy, it's extremely valuable to keep it going. Knight says the amount of COVID in the wastewater is the lowest it's been in about a year. Matt Hoffman, KPBS News. San Diego is one of the top cities in the country for multi-generational households, and each home of three or more generations is different. For the new KPBS series, Under the Same Roof, reporter Katie Heisen spoke with a family who came together for the COVID-19 lockdowns and never moved out. When Jill Riggs moved into her parents' house in Julian in 2012, it was empty. She and her husband came to manage the nearby trailer park her parents own. Right before COVID, her parents returned for what they thought was a temporary stay. But then Riggs had a son, Frankie, in February 2020. And then COVID hit. It was a godsend that we were all here. That's Riggs's mother, Kathleen Rose, now. But Riggs had different words to describe the nights with her newborn during lockdown when her mother was still making plans to build another house. She was uh, obsessed with measuring everything of this house till like <laughs> midnight. And, and I was just counting the hours before my son had to get fed in the middle of the night. And I'm just like, for, if I hear that tape measure one more time. <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah. None of them ever expected to live under the same roof. But they say it just worked. They started sharing daily cocktail hours and meals. Come here, Frankie. Come on. Okay, I will get you your chocolates. (laughs) Debating politics and gardening. It was nice, for the most part, to share daily life. So they never left. It's the five of them. And two dogs, three cats, and often Frankie's baby cousin, Waldo. Should we go to the playground, boys? Yeah. Come on, Waldo, this way. Rose now likes seeing her family more than just on the holidays, And that someone's always around in case something happens as she and her husband age. 
there's never a feeling of loneliness. And no. you hear that that's such a hard thing for people as they get older. And I mean, we're not experiencing that at all. Riggs's father, Frank Spavisek, likes being around not just his daughter and son-in-law, but their friends. My parents moved to a retirement community, and I have no real understanding of why anyone would do that. Because it's nice to be current with what the next generation and next generations are doing, um, because it makes life really interesting. Riggs likes the built-in babysitters. If you just need that one moment and you're like, go find your grandparents and you send them along, you shuttle them away. <laughs> and three-year-old Frankie? Frankie, what's your favorite thing about living with Jetta and Bubby? Frankie had no comment. The house has high ceilings and large windows overlooking their own 12 acres of nature. The grandparents added a private bedroom and bathroom in the yard, though Rose now says private is a loose term. This morning when the boys all decided to come in the shower with me. (laughs) (laughs) Puppy, what are you doing? Taking a shower. Oh, hi. (laughs) They have way more space than many of San Diego's multi-generational households. And the house is paid off, so there's less financial strain, too. Sociologists say this kind of situation is ideal. Multi-generational living leads to better life outcomes, higher college attendance, more social mobility, more resources, and better community relationships. Frank Spevisek's family is reaping these benefits with less of the costs. I just think this is um, quite a luxury to be able to live like this. In the following weeks in this series, we'll bring you stories from multi-generational households that don't have some of these advantages, but are still making it work. Katie Heisen, KPBS News. Quinceañeras are a coming-of-age celebration for Latin American girls turning 15. But the parties can be extravagant and expensive, making them inaccessible for many families. North County reporter Tanya Thorne tells us about a Vista nonprofit making this celebration a reality for a group of women. We first introduced you to Las Valientes, or the Brave Ones, last month. The nonprofit organization in Vista helps men and women through their legal battles, allowing them to leave abusive relationships. Ana Serrano is the founder. And you have a decision to make. Are you going to continue that chain or are you going to break that chain? She is getting ready to celebrate a group of the women who have successfully broken the chain of violence by throwing them the quinceañera they never had. Well, a lot of the women that we serve who have been abused didn't have their quinceañera when they were 15. It's always been a desire in their hearts. The community is invited to the celebration on May 20th. The event will be held at Local Roots Kombucha in Vista. Tickets are $50 and include dinner and entertainment. Tanya Thorne, KPBS News. Coming up, our KPBS arts reporter takes us behind the scenes of an immersive theater experience inspired by Lucha Libre and masked Mexican wrestlers. We'll have that story and more just after the break.
KPBS On Demand is supported by the University of San Diego, offering professional and continuing education courses in the areas of business, education, healthcare, and engineering. For enrollment opportunities, visit pce.sandiego.edu. A new immersive theater experience called La Lucha is currently playing at the Museum of Contemporary Art, San Diego. Arts reporter Beth Hacomando got a behind-the-scenes tour of the show. David Israel Reynoso grew up in Guadalajara, where he saw El Santo, the famed Mexican wrestler, on the big screen. Santo, el enmascarado de plata contra la invasión de los marcianos. The idea that there was both someone who, in person, did some extraordinary things in a luchador ring. And yet somehow also were superhero-like. But what did El Santo do after he was done fighting Martian zombies and mummies? I was really struck by a series of photographs of luchadores who, outside of the ring, were in their more domestic spaces, but still wearing their masks. And it made me consider how there are moments in life that are maybe more private, that get less fanfare, but require just as much courage. All of that informs Reynoso's new show, La Lucha. The world premieres part of La Jolla Playhouse's Extended Without Walls, or WOW program. Reynoso is a veteran of WOW's site-specific and immersive theater approach. Previously, he took the culturally specific idea of a quinceanera and asked, What are themes in it that are universal to the human experience? Through his company, Optica Moderna, he invites audiences to peer through the eyes of another in order to see things from a different perspective or a new lens. Every Optica Moderna piece begins in a mysterious optician's office. You are met with an optician, your vision is assessed, and then you are outfitted with some optical gear. It's reminiscent of entering a virtual reality game and then choosing a character to be or to follow. So your journey begins at a series of portals into this dimension. There are moments within your experience in which you then might get separated from your group. You will be invited through secret doorways. And so this space is very purposefully designed in a way that you are turning corners. You are disoriented in a way that I think feels playful. Playfulness is key for Sol De La Rosa. He helps activate these spaces by choreographing the movements of actors who communicate non-verbally. Kids play to make sense of the world, to create environments, to imagine and to create conflicts, then resolve them. And through playing, we're actually configuring larger human conditions that we can all maybe relate to. De La Rosa relates to the luchadores and sees them as masked warriors. That use the aspect of mask wearing to actually not hide but expose their internal dialogues and their fears, their traditions, their beliefs. And maybe even their influence on ideas of Mexican masculinity. Actress Lorena Santana sees Lucha Libre as a big part of Mexican culture, in part because it has a powerful element of storytelling. If a luchador loses their mask or their mask is taken off, there's a very powerful thing that happens that involves shame and embarrassment. And so we are toying with this incredible theme of mask wearing. Reynoso agrees. And I think too the protective nature of how masks 
really are a second face that obscure sort of your true identity. And it made me consider how we in life have you know, more public versions of ourselves and more private versions. This idea of really hiding your identity in some ways and being very protective about it. And, and there's great efforts to then shame and ridicule those who are ultimately defeated and are failures. And so I think there's something in which we as humans, regardless of the fact whether or not we are in the ring or not, struggle with the fear of failure, of being defeated. But can there be victory and defeat? Is there a value to the struggle? Each visitor will have a different answer because no two people will experience the same thing on any given night, which is why the show leads you to a cantina at the end, where strangers can turn an individual experience into a communal one and maybe openly wrestle with complicated questions of identity. Beth Accomando, KPBS News. La Lucha runs through June 4th at the Museum of Contemporary Art San Diego on Kettner Boulevard, next to the train depot. Tomorrow, Sandag is hosting its annual Bike to Work Day, but now it's called Bike Anywhere Day. The event promotes biking as a viable, fun, and healthy transportation choice and helps combat traffic congestion and air pollution. So, will you ditch your car tomorrow and ride your bike? KPBS Metro reporter Andrew Bowen tells us why he sometimes chooses his bike as his way of transportation. So I've been biking to work a lot more often since the pandemic hit. I actually still haven't renewed my SDSU parking pass, so I'm saving a bit of money. Uh, I like not having to look for a parking space. There is a pretty tough climb uphill at the end of my commute, but overall, it's a great ride, and I'm excited to see other cyclists on the road on Thursday. If it's feasible, you can ride your bike to school or work. If you work from home or you're off tomorrow, you can ride your bike anywhere your day takes you. There'll be many pit stops for bicyclists across the county from 6 to 9 a.m. when you can grab refreshments, snacks, and a free 2023 Bike Anywhere Day t-shirt. For a list of pit stops, visit the Sandag website. That's it for the podcast today. As always, you can find more San Diego news online at kpbs.org. Join us again tomorrow for more local news. Plus, we have a preview of the San Diego Fringe Festival. I'm Debbie Cruz. Thanks for listening, and have a great Wednesday. KPBS On Demand is supported by the San Diego County Toyota dealers, whose commitment to customers extends to giving back to the community and who are proud to support the City of San Diego lifeguards with their important role of keeping our beaches safe. Toyota, let's go places.